Hello, folks. Uh, this is Zahi. Uh, Chris is unable to join us today, but it's still Let's Talk Ed. This evening, I am talking with a colleague of mine, Kirby Lund, who is an instructor at the institution I work at in North Dakota, and he teaches English li uh, literature. Uh, and I wanted to talk to him because our conversations are very scintillating, and I learn every time I talk to him uh, about communication, about critical thinking, and I thought that... Uh, with his masterful approach, we can all benefit from it. Kirby, hello. And hello. please tell the world about uh, yourself and, and what got you into uh, uh, languages, what got you into teaching, everything we can know about you. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Kirby Lund. I'm an associate professor of English at Williston State College. I've been here about 10 years, and I've taught a full gamut of classes, including uh, remedial English classes, college composition classes, literature classes, introduction to film. I've also dabbled in English language learning and adult education. And my most recent project is I'm working on an open education resource website, Professor Lund's Guide to English. And it's pretty much replaced all of the physical textbooks in my classes. We're going to be talking about this in, uh, in, in the third episode because I think what you're talking about there in terms of the open educational resources is a game changer financially for the student, but also in terms of how we approach the learning and how we approach uh, languages. Um, but we, we, when you and I talked off the air, we talked uh, about perhaps approaching languages from not how institutions do it, rather from the recipients uh, of the uh, learning of the student, which is the employer. So run it by me, if you don't mind. And what do employers look for when they're looking at the graduate of, uh, of higher education? So I don't think employers nowadays are necessarily looking for people who have perfect grammar, who know where to use a comma or a semicolon or a colon. I think a lot of employers nowadays are looking for people who can show their soft skills in the job market. So we aren't talking about people who, who know grammatical rules backwards and forwards. We're talking about people who through English classes, through communication classes, can learn what is the best way to communicate with peers, what's the best way to communicate with clients, or what's the best way to communicate with bosses and administration and anybody in between. So we're actually looking at soft skills as kind of the primary motivator for those employers. This is what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember a, an advisory committee meeting or a meeting with an employer where the number one thing is we want somebody who can communicate, who can be here on time and who, who has uh, critical thinking and analytical skills. And I can't think of a better way than your liberal arts to bring this in to fruition. So tell me a little bit about um, how you're working on developing a communicator at the time when 
people are complaining that um, the younger generations uh, has their uh, nose in a phone and uh, all they do to communicate is write in short snippets. Is that communication to you? Is that effective communication? Tell me more about uh, what your thoughts are on, on this. Well, one of the big things that I talk about in all of my composition classes is rhetorical situation. And we break that down into audience, purpose, subject, and genre. Audience is who you're writing to. And based on your audience, you're going to change your message. Your purpose is why you're writing. What is the actual goal of your document? Subject is just what you're writing about. And genre is the way that you present that message to your audience to achieve your purpose. So if we're talking about younger generations being, you know, nose buried in a phone, that's completely okay in terms of communication, because how, how often during a day do we pull out our phones? We send a text message, whether that's a short text message, hey, can you meet me here? Or maybe a longer text message that explains the rationale of, hey, I'm going to be late and here's why I'm going to be late. So from very short messages to longer ones, such as I need to do a presentation for my boss, I have to run a report on my client list and I have to interpret data. All of these count as communication, but it's important that students can understand the nuances between, okay, I'm writing to my friend, so I'm going to use slang words. As compared to I'm writing in a professional setting, I'm writing to the board of directors, how does my language have to change? And as we start going through the writing assignments in my classes, we have to stop and talk about genre. My college writing preparation students just finished their first and second assignments for the semester. One is writing an email. So I give them a scenario and say, okay, how are you going to write your email to this audience to achieve this purpose? So right off the bat, those college writing preparation students are learning how to communicate with me. I don't actually write the scenario to say you're writing an email to me. I make up a fake advisor here on campus and I tell them, okay, you're writing to your advisor now who you've maybe only met once or twice. So you need to be very formal, very professional. But the idea in teaching them that early on in the semester is that now throughout the rest of the semester, as they email me to ask about assignments, do we have class today? Can I get an extension? They're practicing what they're doing with me. And I can kind of police that and say, okay, looking at your email here, this is rather unprofessional. Remember what we did on paper number one. In paper number two, they have to write a business letter. So this one is actually addressed to me as their audience. So they know exactly who they're talking to, but I give them a more open-ended question and say, well, I'd like you to introduce yourself to me. What do you think I need to know about you to be an effective instructor? And they have to think, okay, well, knowing this audience, knowing this purpose, here's what I think he needs to know about me to be an effective teacher in the classroom. And these other details 
I don't really need to think about. So these are the kind of soft skills that they are going to practice in the workplace. How do I format my message for this specific audience, whether it's clients, whether it's my boss or whoever? Um, what is what is my purpose in sending this? And they have to kind of remix that rhetorical situation to say, okay, based on this audience, I need to do it this way. But based on this audience, I need to do it a different way. Well, what you're describing is in stark contradiction with the with the image that people have of languages in particular for English speakers the English language because in their mind it is about pulling a thick book the war and peace equivalent uh, and and uh, you know uh, perusing through it and analyzing it and and really becoming the next uh, person who's immersed in this world. But although there's a lot to be learned from that, I'm, I'm hearing you say that this is not the only way individuals can learn composition, can learn analysis. And I think early on you mentioned rhetoric uh, as part of uh, what the student is learning. So, so am I on the right track? Is that, uh, is, in your mind, is there a clash there of, of ideas? I mean, I always joke with my students on the first day of class as we're going through the syllabus and I tell them, okay, here's what we'll be doing throughout this class. Unless you want me to add a, a section about Shakespeare, in which case I will rearrange the schedule and I will make sure that we fit in a Midsummer Night's Dream into the middle of the semester. And every single one of them says, no, don't do that. Because I, I feel like that's where they've been taught in that traditional way that, okay, we have to study the old masters first, and then we can learn how to do it ourselves. It isn't necessarily the case. One of the big things that students need to find is their own written voice. And again, based on rhetorical situation, that written voice can change. It can adapt to new situations. So there, there is something to be said about studying literature, studying war and peace, studying Shakespeare. These still add to some of those soft skills, even though it's not looking at an Excel spreadsheet and, and analyzing data trends, there's still something to be said about, okay, how how do we use the analytical skills to look at pronoun use in Shakespearean plays? You're still learning the anal the analysis skills, but you're just refocusing those skills to something more workplace oriented that employers would be looking for. It's a very interesting uh, difference from. I think how many people um, imagine uh, languages in, in literature and, and uh, English being taught. So uh, tell me quickly, if you don't mind, about how you're in your classroom, you, you create an environment where students can be working with one another uh, part because that's another thing that the employers look for when they're uh, 
talking about what they need from a workforce. Absolutely. One one of the assignments that I do in College Composition 2 is a group project. So students will get set out in groups and they will find a subculture of people, whether that's maybe woodworkers or nursing students. All of these are, are different subcultures that have different values. They use language differently. But in these groups, students have to delegate responsibilities and say, I'm going to do this part of the project, but you're going to do this part of the project. And they have to hold each other accountable that way. Again, we're still talking about soft skills, but we're actually doing double duty. We're learning how to craft a message and this is a group project, so it is an extended message over about 10 to 12 pages. But we're still practicing a lot of those soft skills. And we're also practicing using technology in a professional way, such as social media. Some groups end up giving giving each other social media access to one another, and that's how they primarily communicate. Others might use something more like Microsoft Teams and a chat function, but others might find some other technology that's available like, like uh, Google Chats or, or Google Hangouts, something like that. But while they are learning how to craft a message, they still have to problem solve, and that's something else that employers want in a good employee is problem solving. Okay, well, if I'm going to do this part of the project, then you're going to do your part of the project. If the other person isn't holding up their side, then, okay, well, how do we solve the problem? Right. Then as a group, they have to figure it out from there. Well, that is wonderful, and and I'm surprised that you uh, you're stuck with Shakespeare. I would have thought, with your love of uh, more ancient uh, literature, you'd be interested in Chaucer. But that's a conversation for a different day. Uh, Kirby Lund and I were talking about uh, you know the the importance of languages, the importance of learning them, the importance of communication. This is Let's Talk Ed for Kirby. This is Zahi. We'll see you next time.